Welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. We're your hosts, Tim and Ruth Olson, licensed marriage and family therapists and trauma experts. We provide wisdom for personal growth and healthy relationships. Stick with us and you'll gain practical tools and insights that will help you be a healthier and happier you. Hey guys, welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're going to jump right into part three of EMDR. Another story, which is my own personal experience with EMDR. Now, I always like to start this off by talking about how I was not really a believer in EMDR at first. Ruth and I, we had been doing therapy for years before we got trained in it. And I remember she came to me one day and talked about this training and wanted to go to it. Now, I'm kind of low in openness. I like routine. I like to do the same thing I've always been doing, but she's high in openness. She's interested in new things, trying new experiences and learning new things. And so it took a little bit of convincing on her part to get me to go. So I was kind of thinking like, oh gosh, I don't, I really don't think we need this, but I was willing to go along with her. She's a very convincing person. And so we're going to this training and it's kind of expensive and we're sitting on this couch. There's eight other therapists in there and we're all learning how to do EMDR. And I remember before the training even started, I leaned over to Ruth and I said, I hope this is worth the money. And so as we go through the day, at the end of our first eight-hour day of training, by the way, this is a 56-hour training, we're practicing on other therapists. So we pair off, we split up, and we start working with other people on their traumas. Now, I've lived a relatively safe and happy life, even from my childhood up until now. And so when we were talking about traumas and working on things that we have to fix, there's nothing really major. I remember trying to think about something and kind of racking my brain being like, I don't know that I can think of any memories that really kind of bother me. But then after a while of kind of searching around, I I happened to find one. And the memory I found was a bullying experience that I had gone through in elementary school. I moved from one side of town to the other side of town. And when I moved, I went to a different elementary school. And in that elementary school, I was not very well received. In the other one, I had plenty of friends. I got along with people. I moved over to this new one. And I had made some social missteps. I was invited by a popular kid to play soccer, and then I declined because another kid had asked me to play with him at recess. Well, unbeknownst to me, this other kid was very unpopular. He was a little bit odd. He was different from the other kids. And so me just agreeing to play with him and then declining playing with the popular kid put me on the outs with everybody. And so from that point forward, I was kind of odd man out. Now, I really hadn't thought about that memory in 10 or 15 years probably before we were going to this EMDR training. But finally, I was able to figure this out. Now, they weren't really horrible to me. They weren't stuffing me in lockers or anything like that. It was more just they were saying nasty things to me or keeping me outside of the group activities that they were participating in, something along those lines. And so we're sitting down and I'm working with this other guy who's never done EMDR on anybody in his life. And as a matter of fact, when he's practicing it on me, the trainer's walking around and just chastising this guy for doing it wrong. I mean, she is on this guy's case. Nope, not like that. More like this. Nope, not like that. And so the whole time she was kind of on his case for not doing it right. But then still at the end, even though this guy is first time ever doing it, I had this amazing switch. My negative belief was I am unacceptable because that's basically what bullies are telling you, right? They are not accepting who you are and then they're ostracizing you from their community or their group because they don't like something about you. So when I was processing through this, all these different experiences of not feeling accepted were kind of coming up and it was mostly surrounding what was happening to me in elementary school. But then what I said earlier is this switch flips in your brain. 
And then at a certain point, I think it was like an hour and a half into the processing, a switch flipped. And my brain all of a sudden stopped thinking about that bullying experience. And suddenly what it started to feed me were all these places and experiences where I was accepted. And so areas I was accepted was in my own family. My parents loved me. I got along with my siblings. In my neighborhood, I had a bunch of friends. I was also a competitive swimmer. I was accepted on my swim team. There was all these different places where I was accepted and my brain was feeding me all these different things. So what I like to say is that with trauma, it really is zooming into this negative experience and blocking out everything else. And what EMDR does is it kind of helps you widen that lens and that frame and see the other positive experiences that really combat that negative belief that you have ingrained in you. It's almost like when Tim was thinking about fourth grade, he wasn't thinking about all these positive experiences that he had or the safe relationships that he had. He just zoomed into this negative experience that he had with the bullies. And when he thinks about fourth grade, that's really what he would think about. And then once the EMDR process really took hold and it zoomed out, I was seeing all these different areas that really combated that negative belief, that negative experience where I was bullied. And like I said before, it's not just an intellectual, it's an emotional change. Now, I'm a fairly stereotypical man, right? I don't show or express my emotions a lot, so I don't cry a ton. And there's a handful of times I can think where I cried openly from a positive sense, and one was when Ruth was walking down the aisle on our wedding day, and then this was another time that this happened, when that switch flipped and my brain started to feed me all these different places where I was accepted, just the positive impact, I could feel it on my body where I just suddenly felt so good, I suddenly felt so accepted. The actual standard statement is, I am acceptable. But I didn't like that. It wasn't powerful enough. So my brain gave me, instead of I am acceptable, which felt like a low bar to me, it gave me the positive belief of I am accepted. Not like I could be accepted, but I already am. And that was so true in all different areas of my life. Now, the very interesting thing is how this affected me before and then how it affected me afterwards. So how I behaved before was I was much more sensitive Things could get under my skin more. I could be more easily embarrassed. As a matter of fact, uh, this affected me in my work life. I was working at this company at the time. It was very documentation heavy. And my supervisor would see the documentation and give me corrections and feedback. And my negative belief of I am unacceptable, you would think logically that would cause me to try to do everything I could to try to make myself more acceptable. But actually, because my brain already believes that I am unacceptable and it's not going to change, it basically just kind of gives up or it can make you defensive about things. So when I would get corrections from my supervisor, I had a tendency to be more defensive about how I was doing things. And so instead of changing it to be more acceptable, I tried to argue that what I was doing or how I was documenting it was fine. But then afterwards, after I had that negative belief system removed, it was so much easier for me to just be like, okay, fine, that's a fair criticism. And then just change my behavior afterwards. After I underwent this process, it actually turned into one of Ruth's favorite pastimes to start pointing out and identifying ways that I was now behaving differently before EMDR to now after EMDR. So we actually joked that Tim is Tim 2.0 after this. And we've done several different targets, and so now he's Tim 6.0 or 7.0 now. So backing up, before EMDR, Tim was very professional. And he still is very professional. He just wanted to make sure that people knew he was a good therapist, and this is 
his role and he wouldn't joke a lot with his clients. If you know me, I'm very relational and I like to joke with my clients and tell them different stories. And Tim was very professional in session, but also outside of session when he had this role of a therapist. I think even to a certain degree, it hindered me sometimes where I could actually be kind of robotic and maybe difficult for people to connect with because I always wanted to put on this veneer of kind of professional perfectionism and that keeps people at a distance versus being real and sharing what's going on with me or portions of my life. As a matter of fact, after I went through it, I feel like I got to be much more similar to Ruth where I became much more relational in session. Here's the first example that I saw of a change in Tim. And it was the very next training that we had. And he still doesn't know who these people are, right? He's not connected to them. He doesn't have any relationship. And Tim loves sprinkles on donuts. And so somebody brought donuts as a treat and there are no sprinkles on it. And so Tim says out loud to everybody, what are we too professional for sprinkles? And everybody laughs. And I just look at him and I'm like, who is this guy? Because before that, he would just be quiet, eat his donut, listen to the training, go home. But he just started connecting with people, and I just had no idea who this guy was. And so it was really fun to be able to see that that was the first thing that I really saw and noticed a difference in Tim. And I think it's so interesting going through this, right, just at the very end of the first day of training. At the beginning, I had told her, I hope this is worth the money. And then at the end of the first day of training, going through that experience, I already knew I leaned over to her and I said, this is worth the money. (laughs) And after that, it has totally changed, like she said before, our lives and how we practice therapy and just our effectiveness at therapy. I always like to tell people, I got into therapy to change people's lives. And we have found no better tool out there to dramatically shift how people are feeling in a relatively short amount of time. Another example of this is that if he was at his car and there's someone else there in the parking lot or on the street, And talking, he would just assume they're not talking to me, which I think most people would. But most people would maybe turn and look and see if they're talking to him. But he would not. I would just try to stick my head in the sand and pretend like nothing was happening. So he's telling me a story where he was standing at the trunk of his car and somebody was talking. And he turned and he just said, are you talking to me? Which may seem just normal to a lot of people. But for him, he's such an introvert that he wouldn't normally engage in those type of interactions. And so he said, he just turned and he said, are you talking to me? And they said no. And he went along his way and he came in and he told me a story. And I said, is that weird for you? And he was like, no, not at all. But there were a lot of things like this where I started to see a difference in Tim. And a lot of things that I attributed to him being an introvert, really it changed. And I don't think his introversion has changed because he still needs to recharge and he gets his battery charged by being alone. But I began to see a lot of these little changes and things that I attributed to him being an introvert, I started to see changes in. For example, we would go to church and a lot of times he would kind of creep toward the car and I would notice it and I'd gather the kids and know that, okay, we're done. But he'd get to the car and I'd still be talking to people and engaging and then we'd get back in the car. And I would say, I began to notice where there were several times where I gathered the kids and we were in the car waiting for him and I would look and he's like chatting someone up and I'm like, who is this guy? Because this is not things that he would do before. And there were even a couple times where he said, oh, let's go talk to that couple. And before he would never have said that. It was always me initiating these interactions with other people. But 
I realized that it wasn't his introversion, but it was really this negative belief that was preventing him from stepping out. This idea of I'm unacceptable. So because he was afraid of that and not even cognitively recognizing I'm afraid of this, that's why I'm not going to go out there. But just seeing the difference in him stepping out and really engaging with people that he normally wouldn't. And so what essentially happened was I was unburdened from this negative belief. And this really freed up a lot of mental and emotional capital so that I could spend it in other places, like going and talking to somebody new who I don't really know, or asking my wife to go meet a new couple who we hadn't talked to, where before I was always at the end of my capacity. I was always topped out. I couldn't go any further. I just need to get out of here. I need to be done. Those kinds of things. But when you go through this EMDR process, it opens up your reservoirs. It cleans out a lot of this excess burden that you're carrying around. And when you're able to take that off of your shoulders and you feel lighter, it feels okay to take on another task or another activity, whereas before you may not have been able to. And actually recently, I've told him several times that I think at parties or things that we host or parties that we go to, that I really think he's the life of the party, which was so not the case before this. At events, I would say my favorite thing to do was to just get a drink, get a plate of food, and go find a corner of a couch to sit in and just let people filter through. But then I became much more comfortable mingling around. And again, to people who are extroverts, they're like, what are you talking about? That's my thing. I love doing that. But for somebody who's an introvert, it takes a lot more energy and it's uncomfortable. For extroverts, it really energizes them. But for me, it just drains me super quick. But now it doesn't drain me as quick because I have that additional capital that I can work with. It's been really exciting to see the changes in him. And like I said before, things that I just thought were not related to this memory, you can see the difference in him. And that's what we were talking about before, where you don't even really understand the weight of these memories or the weight of these disturbances on you until you get rid of them. And you can see the freedom that you have from these negative beliefs that you've been carrying around. So after all that, we want to issue you guys a challenge. We want you to go through your memory banks and look for any memories that might pop up for you that have any type of negative emotional content. We generally rate the scale from 0 to 10, 0 being it doesn't bother me at all, 10 being it bothers me deeply. And even if you find something that's a 1 on there, it's worth looking into. I had a patient one time who I worked with who had agoraphobia, a fear of going outside or an anxiety from going outside, and the memory that fixed it was a 1 on the scale of 10. And so once we fixed that memory, the agoraphobia was gone. She was able to go out. And so even if you think you can't find any really significant or harsh memories, they can still produce a fantastic benefit at the end. Now, if you're interested in more information or if you're still on the fence about this process, a book we'd recommend to you is called Getting Past Your Past by Francine Shapiro. Francine Shapiro is the founder and creator of EMDR, and it's a fantastic read. It's not written for the therapist, it's written for the layperson. And so she goes into all these different stories and explanations about how EMDRs help people, but then also how it works and how it operates. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us on this multi-part journey through EMDR. We hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. If you enjoyed this podcast or found it helpful, we'd love for you to take some time and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. If you have a question or topic you'd like discussed in future episodes, visit our Facebook group, Mr. and Mrs. Therapy Podcast, and let us know. Good.
disclaimer, although we are mental health providers, this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide diagnosis or treatment. Please seek professional help if you're struggling with persistent mental health issues, chronic marital issues, or call the National Suicide Hotline at 988 if you are contemplating suicide.